Hi there, dear listener. I'm Mariah Beachford, writer, podcaster, and editor at Great Geek Refuge. Now, normally, our podcasts open with a super spiffy medley of sound bites and music from pop culture, but not this time, because what happened when we recorded this episode on April 2nd is we experienced a fun kind of spontaneous creative play, which resulted in our theme song for Federation Conversation. And we want you to experience that spontaneous slow burn of creativity with us. So we've kept the debut of our theme song until the very end. We hope you enjoy it. It was written, composed, and performed by the incomparable William B.J. Robinson. Thank you so much for listening. And from all of us at Great Geek Refuge, don't be a juice bag. Welcome, dear listeners, to Federation Conversation, or FedCon for short, formerly known as Trek Talk. We have our panelists, BJ, captain of the USS Maestro, which is known for never failing at a first contact mission. And when asked what makes his ship so successful, Captain Robinson attributed his record to the required musical theater karaoke nights, which boost morale. And his pronouns are he, they. We also have Admiral Lunsford, who is responsible for the addition of Kobayashi Maru 2, now required for continuous learning credits for all Starfleet leadership. And he goes by he, him. (laughs) And then we have Lieutenant Commander Beachboard, who was famously kicked off her ship because she kept telling the crew that they had to, quote, obey craptastic orders because Captain Bjorgensen is a grade A douche, end quote. Now she teaches at Starfleet Academy, where she's known for encouraging all the cadets to take risks. She does this because she hates boring students, but leadership thinks it's because she's a wise teacher. Far be it from her to correct that assumption. Maybe it's just her sheer fucking hubris. Welcome. (laughs) What an intro. Y'all, I love playing games, and we're going to play another one later. Um, So (laughs) before we get to that, BJ, thank you so much for the new name. And Mike, thank you for our new logo. It's awesome. Yeah, I can't wait for everybody to see it. I'm I'm very, very excited. Like, this will be, since since I I hold the rank of Admiral uh, when it comes to all things Great Geek Refuge, um, (laughs) I am... Um, this will be the first episode officially where we have our own podcast stream. So we'll have our own RSS feed. You'll actually be able to subscribe directly to FedCon or Federation Conversations uh, on iTunes or wherever it is that you subscribe to podcasts. Sweet. That is very exciting. Thank you for that. going to give um, us a little... FedCon, FedCon, FedCon. You are a gem. Beautiful. That was beautiful. Moving. From the USS Maestro. Oh, I love that. But does the Maestro have a spore drive? That's the question. Well, um, it does not, but it still has a 1960s USS uh, synthesizer machine. <laughs> I mean, I think it's equally great, if not better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all, we are talking about Star Trek Discovery, specifically the second half of season four. Y'all, I'm exhausted. I binge watched <laughs> the second half and I am exhausted. I want you guys to tell me your feelings about it, describe it to me with no more than three emotional hydrocarbons. Go. <laughs> emotional hydrocarbons. Satisfying. The ending The ending was satisfying. Whereas in, in previous seasons, there was, I felt like there were so many loose ends to tie up uh, and they had so many like parallel stories going on. This one was very neat. It was like, this is the story and this is what we're solving. And then you saw other people dealing with it from other ends, which... Again, was was great. Yeah, I, I really, truly enjoyed this. I'll get into my gripes later, but, like, so far across the board, it, there's no such thing as bad Trek, in my opinion. It's like pizza. Even when it's bad, it's good. And this is this is good. It's different, and that's what I like. This is like a Wolfgang Puck pizza. It's got some weird stuff on it, and it's different than anything <laughs> you've had in the past, but I am all for it. Bring me more. Yeah, I'm right there. Liberated. 
and and satisfied were definitely feelings with it um and and kind of i guess rejuvenated i think there were so many themes that were not necessarily or i should say there were so many points that were not necessarily new to to what happens in 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 the star trek verses um but the journeys in which and how how we got to these different points were were i think very refreshing and again that really i think just great balance of reflecting on where this world is at now and and themes that need to be resonated so i yeah totally satisfied nice all right well i felt curiosity because when's gray coming back also another question i had what happened to the dot peace sign graffiti team (laughs) yes Thank you. Now, do you see what I was talking about in our in our uh, conversation? Because I, I messaged you and I was like, there's a thing with the dots. You know, what? you haven't seen it yet. Never mind. I'm going to stop because I know <laughs> how much you love the dots. And I didn't want you. Yeah. As soon as I saw that scene, I was like, oh, no, not the dots again. Mariah's going to be so upset. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm really because you see Discovery makes it. So are they having their own little party in their own little hydrocarbon bubble? Where did they go? Waiting for like the side cartoon animated series of <laughs> of just Star Trek dots. <laughs> yes. Side, side note, there. Did you guys ever watch the uh, the short treks that they did? Yes, I watched um, a few of them, especially the one with the dot. I did not. Go. Okay, that's that's <gasps> my favorite one. The one with the dot is is my absolute favorite one. Well, BJ hasn't seen it. I gotta so get on can't... those. I'll get on those. Yeah, yeah, they they do. It's it's beautiful. It's the first animated one that they've done. Um, oh. And it's just like it's it's so cool, especially for somebody like me who loves like all of the old series as well. Like they make there's references to the old. Oh, it's fantastic. You got to watch it. Yeah. And there's one with Zora that is amazing. Just amazing. Yeah. I love Zora. Yeah. yeah. And knowing your your um, your penchant for musicals, you will very, very much love the episode of Zora. Yay. <laughs> um, BJ, I, once again, for this episode, I've asked um, both of you to come up with topics that you want to talk about or hit on specifically regarding disco. So, BJ, you sent me three topics, Booker, Tensi, and Societal Conflict Resolution. What you got, man? <laughs> yeah, um, I, I kind of have all those different things that they, they relate together, um, ultimately, First off, loved the way that just the second half of the season played out. Loved the journey in meeting the Tennessee and discovering more or just learning more about their culture, finding their, you know, their 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 past, um, the way that they just communicated with their memories. I was, of course, like losing it when it's colors and music in their language of like, yes, this is where it's all going. You know, hashtag art is everything. And then the culmination with book first book ultimately having to be in his own resolve to sacrifice himself if needed to come to what he saw as the final greater good in the situation was beyond just his own means of feeling like we have to stop this device we have to stop this you know that like just struck me in in a lot of different ways one of the things that it connected me back to was my time in um, doing the musical Ragtime so many years ago, playing the part of Cole House Walker. Uh, oh my gosh. The, uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> at the end of Ragtime, Cole House has to, he comes to a similar uh, point uh, as as Book did, where it's a matter of what do you really want out of this ultimately? What's that greater good that you are ultimately aiming for? And are you willing to sacrifice yourself if necessary to get that? Then there's like the thank you for letting me know that I'm going to get to uh, continue <laughs> to see where his journey goes. Um, but then his meeting, his conversation and meeting with the Tensi, you know, it's like, OK, it's all fine. Uh, they're communicating and they're going to they're going to be able to save everyone. Um, and then he presses it further that you know this isn't just about saving everyone in this moment this is about acknowledging that your actions are causing harm and that you've got to account for that in total it can't just be like well this time and make the allowance for another time in another way that like no make the change in the moment and and do better 
I was even like kind of <laughs> I wasn't sure if what he was doing was was going to work and thought this this just might have been the dumbest move. I don't know what to what to do right now. Um, I thought that we're going to lose David uh, and again in this moment, David Ajala. Uh, and when he got through, it was the like, OK, thank God I needed this moment of inspiration to know that that even even if it again, it starts here with Star Trek Discovery. Maybe someone somewhere is watching this and seeing that you can be in that position where you are the powerful, the advanced, the also still looking out for your own greater good as you see it. And perhaps you can acknowledge at the same time that you still have to continue to account and change your own actions and behaviors so that your impact does not cause that harm, that harm that you are familiar with from your own experience and your own journeys. These are the points that I sit there and try and make in my tough talk sessions all the time. And so it was like, yes, 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 yes. Getting to kind of see this happening in there. And um, this all speaks back to uh, the idea of restorative justice in society. Um, and and that's what I thought was really, really neat. Restorative justice, kind of just a, a generic definition. Um, it's about responding to to harm, whether it's like violence, it's crime, whatever it is, um, by organizing meetings between victims and offenders, sometimes with having other representatives of the wider community present as well. And it is a different way of, of looking at law and order and justice in our world and in our communities. Um, it is certainly something that uh, different communities of color and, and just different marginalized communities are often advocating for having more restorative justice practices in our world because everything doesn't have to come down to just, you know, you're good and I'm bad, you're right and I'm wrong, and now someone has to be punished and someone has to pay. It, it, it can be, how do we all heal together? Um, and, and, you know, that was also answered in how the Federation handled making Booker account for what he did in his whole journey and his pursuit of trying to, to find that ultimate greater good where a lot of his actions did, did cause harm for others, to others. Um, and, and yet, you know, it's not an ultimate just locking him up and throwing away the key uh, um, resolution for for Booker on the end of it. And so I'm looking forward to seeing where all of that goes in in the next season. And I just applaud uh, Disco for for bringing in um, that brilliant example of restorative justice in in this whole season, in this whole thing. And yes, I know this might be things that people are going to sit there and say might be a part of the wokeness while um, it's it's really not. It's just the realness. It's the authenticity uh, might be a better way to to perhaps look at that, because, again, this is what's going on in our world. This is what people are talking about. These are practices that people are trying to implement into our different institutions to change who we are as a society. Rant over. Like um, I said before, man, you are a gem. <laughs> First off, BJ, well said. But one of the things that you said that was was dead on was something that I learned early on as a parent that I didn't understand because the way I was raised by my parents, they didn't do this. And it, it has to do with not punishment so much, but like corrective behavior for children. And it's the punishment needs to fit the crime. Again, like he should be if this had been Star Trek 50 years ago, he would be on a Federation penal conflict. He would be on the dilithium mines of Rurapente with the Klingons running things. And he, yeah, running in all sorts of crazy aliens and mining dilithium. No, instead he's helping refugees, which is exactly what he should be doing because it makes sense. The punishment fits the crime. Agreed. So yes to all of that. And also how cute was it that 10C, they said, well, we figured this was an important communication, so we intercepted it for you. Um, and oh, here it is, and it's book. <laughs> like, <laughs> did anyone else think that was childlike? Okay, so I, I was. I, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it was almost like 
it reminds me of I can't remember their name now. Um, um, Stargate SG One, the um, super advanced uh, 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 beings. Um, but like it, I mean, it reminded me of the society that's like, well, we're so we're so beyond your level of existence. We really weren't sure, like, even what to process of this. Like, is this <laughs> is this yours kind of thing? <laughs> yes, that's how I felt about it. Is this yours? But you know, because they did that, because they wrote it that way, it gave such an awesome moment yeah. for Michael when. Oh gosh, that was such. <laughs> an amazing piece of acting when she thinks she's lost him and then she's got to pull herself together. And I, I think that was maybe the writer's answer to all of that criticism about too much emotion. Like I could see them saying, look, you don't know what you're talking about and we're going to give you this, this moment and you're going to look at it and you're going to face it and you're going to have to admit that this is brilliant. So I appreciate why they put that in there where Tensi is saying, Hey, is this yours? <laughs> um, it, it just it made me laugh that and my little brain said, oh, Cthulhu, when we first got a fantastic <laughs> glimpse of Tennessee. Yeah, accurate. Yeah. <laughs> I um, I shared a GIF in our Facebook chat um, that it, because this is a uh, auditory medium, I will describe it to our listeners. Um, the basketball player's name is Alonzo Mourning. Uh, he is a legend when it comes to basketball, especially around here in the D.C. area because he went to Georgetown University. Uh, the gif is of him looking very angry, very angry to begin, shaking his head in frustration. And then you see his eyebrows kind of untense, like he realizes something like, <laughs> well, yeah, all right. And he kind of shrugs. It's one of my favorite gifts because this gif, in a nutshell, describes how I felt about book's end. So book dies. His ship explodes. That's it. They couldn't beam him out. That's tragic. It's sad. It's awful. But it was an ending, right? And and it made sense because it was like, look, you know, regardless of what your justifications were, you were still wrong in doing it. It made sense to me. And then the ten C bring him back, and I was a little pissed. I was I was I was Alonzo Mourning. I was like, man, this is bullshit. He should be dead. They're <laughs> they're just bringing him back for no reason. And then I stopped and I was like, yeah, but I like Booker. Who cares? Like it was. <laughs> That was kind of my take on it. But also, too, uh, Mariah, you really crystallized how I feel about it, too, because the 10C, this is something that, that we've alluded to in Star Trek before, but we've never actually had. What if we're not the top of the food chain? What if we're not the alpha dog a, a, in the universe, in the galaxy? Like, And we proved that because the 10C was like, ah, we didn't even know you guys were smart. We figured you were just like bugs. Like, they literally looked down on us emotionally and intellectually and thought humans and other sentient beings similar to that were just nothing. They're so evolved beyond us. And that blew my mind. I was like, wow, that's why they were mining. It wasn't a matter of like, well, we need this thing and we don't give a crap what happens. It, you know, the uh, consequences be damned. No, they literally didn't think they were harming anybody because they didn't think we knew any better. And that was like – then it would like really dawned on me because it kind of ties it all together. Uh, there's this thing you sent that uh, might have been important. Oh, it was a dude? Oh, uh, okay, cool. Like <laughs> we just realized you guys were sentient. We're sorry. Like that <laughs> – that's, that's amazing. Like that, that's so – that's so Star Trek. That's so like forward thinking and like taking on concepts that like this series was founded on. It was a total twist on the first contact of, you know, like, I mean, they're sitting there ready for it. It was like, look, that's this is what we do. And then it's like, yeah, oh, shit. Like, we're 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 the lesser of, we're, of it. We're like, way out of our league on this one. Yeah, <laughs> like exactly. Yeah. Normally we go in like Picard. We're like, oh, right. superior. And we drink Earl Grey and it's hot. And, <laughs> you you for you inferior life forms with your weird like Neolithic thing you got going on it's cute really you have bows and arrows it's adorable <laughs> well we can't show you about warp technology yeah no now we're on the other end of that and that was mm -hmm. in incredibly well done it could have gone independence day wrong for for everyone with the the level that these these big creatures were on that the 10 c is on and and it was really fascinating to just experience like everything is so high stakes because it, it was just like oh yeah no 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 and and in some ways you know again that in itself is a like uh dear dear people let's consider this you know 
because just maybe, just maybe in all of our like great space racing mindsets, we may not necessarily be ready and or prepared for for what we encounter when we encounter it. <laughs> also, just as a random side, I really loved just the moment um, because because it, it did of uh, 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 Dr. Colbert staying with Stamets and and just it's like we're gonna have our little family family powwow moment here because it might be the end of the world as we know it. Yes, I and there's a moment when Colbert looks at Stamets and there's so much intensity and mm-hmm. emotionality. I was like, oh my God, my heart. It was it was really beautiful. Really, really beautiful. Um, listen, I want to talk about Star Trek Discovery as an after school special for adults in environmental sustainability. <laughs> Y'all, for all of you yes. younger listeners, back in the day, whenever we would come home from school, all of us latchkey kids, if we wanted to watch TV, we'd be subjected to something called after school specials. And it was always some dramatic, not too threatening situation that was supposed to teach you about stranger danger or drugs or whatever. And it was usually a very contrived scenario. I won't say that Star Trek Discovery was contrived, but I would say it was very pointed about environmental sustainability because what was Tensi doing? They were mining. They were mining for something that they thought they needed, which they didn't actually need without any thought to what they considered to be lesser beings. So on one hand, I really loved it. On the other hand, I thought it was kind of pointed, but it was an excellent moral fable. And I, I appreciate that about that, but I know that there's going to be, there's always critics of Star Trek, and and this is going to be one of those criticisms. You know, it's funny though, is that um, there was a uptick in the amount of college kids in the '90s who decided that they wanted to be marine biologists. And do you want to know what one of the main reasons was why they said that they wanted to be a marine biologist? I saw this. I saw this on the internet. Was it Spock? Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home. Yes. Go back in time to save the whales. In retrospect, that kind of looks probably looks a little schlocky. It was very on the nose. You know, hey, we're going to you know screw up our planet because we're we're killing species that have a, a greater purpose, potentially like that. And then also, too, that the other thing that you're talking about was another one that just was like it, it made me cry almost was that um, there are like actual scientists who would go to Leonard Nimoy and tell them about their profession tell them about their their focus of study and how they had achieved this thing and leonard nemo is an actor he has no idea what they're talking about he's talking molecular biologists and stuff like that and they would tell him this stuff and they were so proud because they were telling spock and he would just be like i like how you've come to that decision and it was just like he he knew that he had to do that for them because it was this moment of validation and like that that's the power that this series has man and like, yeah, they're like you said, it's a little on the nose, Mariah. But at the same time, like there might be a kid watching this who sees this and that might be the thing that changes our world for the better. You're absolutely right. <laughs> I love the musical edition. This is like my, this is like my new favorite thing. I love it. The more the you know. <laughs> It felt right. I mean, after school specials. It, and and honestly, it's it's so important for I, like I, I yes, a, a bit of it was on the nose, but it's also important for us to to get that in our faces, because the fact of the matter is we still haven't quite learned enough on <laughs> a lot of these these basic lessons um, about how we are uh, taking care of our, our own world and ourselves in it. I don't mind that being sometimes dare I say shoehorned in the same way that you know products get shoehorned into athletics um and and everything else gets shoehorned in with sponsorship that's fair mike it's your turn i want to talk <laughs> a little bit about how the knee-jerk reaction that star trek is too woke or new trek as they like to call it is too woke and how short-sighted that truly is so I want to start with an amazing cameo that was done 
on the finale of yes. Star Trek Discovery, and that would be the Honorable Stacey Abrams showing up Woo-hoo! as the president of Earth. And th- there was a certain contingent on Twitter that was so butthurt that she was in Star Trek. <laughs> and it was hilarious because they were so <laughs> mad that she was there. This made me this made me laugh because they do this with Star Trek. They do this with Star Wars. They do this with Marvel Comics. They, oh, why do we have to make everything political? These things have always been political. Like Superman, for example, was created by two Jewish creators. Like, you don't think that there's some sort of parallel there to a quote-unquote alien coming to America? Nothing? Nobody? Like, <laughs> <laughs> that that you don't think that that was any in any way, shape, or form like a, a, a stand on what was going on in the world around them? That's what Star Trek is. There's an episode that's very ham-fisted of the original series, but it makes a really good point. There's two aliens played by, um, played by Frank Gorshin of Riddler fame from the uh, Batman series. Uh, the Adam West Batman series, where one alien, half of his face is black, the left side, and then the right side is white. And there was another alien of a different race who the left side of his face was white and the right side of his face was black. And they hated each other because (laughs) the colors were on the wrong side. Yeah, there's no parallels there, right? Like, come (laughs) on. I get that this is different, okay? And And I said it on one of the other GGR podcasts. If you ask me what my favorite Star Trek series is, it's not going to be Discovery, but I appreciate what it's doing. And the only reason it's not my favorite is because most people do this. We 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 think with nostalgia. We think with our heart in the sense of what's this favorite thing? It's this thing that I had when I was a kid. Star Trek Discovery can't surpass me being eight years old and in my bedroom watching Star Trek The Next Generation on a really, really crappy TV with awful reception. And getting to go to sleep to that every night. It was comforting. It was like a security blanket. Discovery can't touch that. But you know what Discovery can do? Discovery can touch on things that I'm now seeing in my adult life. Like dealing with PTSD. We got to see Ash Tyler deal with that in season one. You get to see people dealing with loss. And that it's not just, well, they're dead. And then 20 minutes later, they're ordering them to fire photon torpedoes. Like we're seeing people have to deal with trauma which is not something that Trek has really ever touched on before. This is super important. And if honestly, if that's too quote unquote woke, then that says more about you than it does about television. These are things that are important for us as a society to address that we need to deal with. Otherwise, and I'm going to use another Star Trek reference. This is from Star Trek Voyager. At one point, they're Herogen, this super, they're basically the predator. Okay. If you've ever seen the movie Predator, they're basically Star Trek's version of the predator. They love to hunt, right? But their, their species has run out of places to hunt. And they've taken over Voyagers so that they can use the um, holodeck technology to hunt, to to teach their young how to hunt. And at one point, Janeway and the leader of the Herogen are going back and forth with each other. And the leader of the Herogen says, those who don't evolve die. Because he was afraid that his race was going to be wiped off the face of the galaxy. That's exactly what this is, too. If you can't adapt to change, unfortunately, you die. And there comes a point where you have to accept that the new generation wants to do things just as much as the old one does, too. And if it's not for you, Paramount Plus has all the old series and you can watch those as well. We don't want to alienate anybody. No creator wants to alienate the old fan base. okay? but they also want to show that we have evolved as a as a species, that we have evolved as a as a race, like as humans that we can identify with each other other than just white dudes standing up on a stage ordering us to fire phases and fire photon torpedoes there's more to star trek than just space battles there's more to star trek than just white dudes there's more to star trek than just straight heterosexual relationships these are all things that we should be addressing because this is what society is good science fiction is a mirror i have said this a million times before i will say it a million times again It is a mirror for what is going on in our world. And we need to show that these things are great. That's what makes us great. Not something to poo-poo. It's too woke. If it's too woke, then maybe that's a you problem and not a Star Trek problem. (laughs) How funny is it when when people complain about things like that, like who is representing the president of Earth, um, and they're so angry, the amount of importance that they give a show that they don't like cracks me up. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> because yes. in the end, in the end, it's pretend and it's play. Like it, yes. it's it, yeah. it's going to be OK. Like, yeah. 
Calm down. It's going to be okay. But by the way, I was looking up some more information about Stacey Abrams. She is a successful romance novelist mm-hmm. under a pseudonym, and and she's a theater geek. Yeah, she is. Mm-hmm. That's that girl right there. She has seen every Star Trek film, every iteration of every series, and she even uses Star Trek as a reference in her book, Lead from the Outside, for examples in problem solving. So she's a true Trekkie. The music really does add something like it. It's yeah, I'm, I'm loving it. I will. I'm going to start like working out all the different themes and scores from from the films now. <laughs> I think honestly, I think you need, I think you need to ha- be the one who creates our theme song. Like that's our intro. <laughs> we need to have a BJ Robinson special when it comes to the intro song to uh, uh, oh, FedCon. <laughs> oh, I'm that's yeah. Now that's going to happen. Now it's going to happen. <laughs> Is now it really? Because like that yeah. would be awesome. Like for I'm, real, I mean, I, for in, in all seriousness. I'm inspired with purpose and task now. Literally. Glorious purpose. <laughs> I think it's time for our game, y'all. Ladies and gentlemen, as a theater geek, I love games. Love them, love them, love them. And I tasked our wonderful panelists with the with coming up with ways to market Star Trek Discovery tech to people in our current world. So for instance, I might say, hey, do you need a better tool to conduct your peeping Tom activities? Have we got a tool for you? And of course, I'm talking about the thing that Booker used to spy on everyone, including Michael. And it wasn't creepy at all. Not at all. She said, ironically. (laughs) What you got, friends? That heck was bugging. (laughs) (laughs) Did anyone um... else did anyone else think that Colbert was going to like start marketing drugs? (laughs) (laughs) like that's what i thought when he's like going back from more love dust i was like (laughs) oh addiction addiction any you know they hint at it a little bit but that's where i thought they could like the new it's like the 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 30 the 34th century's uh viagra or the 30 yeah the 33rd century's viagra (laughs) (laughs) tensi love dust All of us, all of a sudden, like other people on the crew are coming up to him on the thing, like scratching their neck. You're like, hey, hey, Colbert, man, you got any more of that love dust, man? I just need a little bit just to get me through my shift, man. That's all I need. Come on, Colbert, baby. Help me out. We need to uh, submit this to Star Trek shit posting so they can run away with it. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of shit posting, I can pitch my uh, product that I came up with. What you got? Do you like eating shit that tastes just like Lucky Charms? Well, have we got something for you. And not the colloquialism shit. Actual shit. Come on down to Admiral Kirk's Replicator Emporium. We got the shit you love. (laughs) Oh, bravo. That is like one of my favorite lines from season three. When he's sitting there with the leader of... Uh, I can't even remember the name of that organization now. Um, the Emerald, the Chain. Emerald Chain. Yeah, he's sitting there with her, and she's like, "Oh, this is a good apple." He's like, "Yeah, it's shit." Like, and his delivery, shit. his delivery oh. was perfect. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Daddy Vance, yeah, Admiral Daddy yeah. Vance, yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I loved his interaction with Tilly at uh, in the finale. Like, I loved that they both were just like, "We've done everything we possibly can to save everybody," and they were just like. How about a drink? And they were like, all right, cool. And they were just like getting hammered. Like, because at that point, what else was there to do? Like, it it was, I loved the sacrifice that they were making for the greater good. But at the same time, too, they both had just accepted their fate that this was the right thing to do. And like, hey, I got some booze. Want to get drunk? Yeah, let's do it. Why not? And they started with one flask and then they go, they cut back to them. And it was this most perfect timing in in camera shot and pan it made me giggle really hard because all of a sudden they're just standing there doing nothing and there's now two flasks and it <laughs> it, it was it was wonderful agreed just uh, agreed agreed a thousand percent with both of you i loved how grounded and resolved they were and just knowing that they 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 felt you know fulfilled in in and at least that they were meeting their purpose for for what they were trying to do and and then even you know the little doubt uh, about uh, his daughter uh, and 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 his love for her, um, just super great, super great exchange. I mean, and yeah, I mean, Tilly, I was like jumping for joy. Just it's Tilly. <laughs> <laughs> she makes such a good teacher though, and like, I was a little hesitant when she left. I was like, man, I should keep Tilly around. I like Tilly, but like, 
realistically speaking, like if this is a universe that we live in, she needs to be teaching. Agreed. Um. So, <laughs> I mine's. I I I I I kind of did the assignment. I did it differently, so you know <laughs> we'll we'll see what my grade is, and maybe I mean, hopefully it's just something. I'm a sales um, guy, so that's why I pitched mine like it was like a like a commercial. So yeah, and that's really where I was. I was kind of thinking more like commercial advertisements, and um, this was basically a pitch for Zora. <laughs> nice. Um, and it's it's sort of you'll 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 get it. I mean, it it works as a commercial. You could also imagine um, a quick sort of half series of of like a TV introduction of things. Um, so it just like starts with a little, you know, oh, that was not it. Take two. Use take two. <laughs> <laughs> Feeling lonely. Looking for someone to just spend a little time with, perhaps uh, have a little conversation, play a game. Or wander at the stars, learn a foreign language, find something new. Well, we've got the perfect person for you. Here at the USS Discovery, Zora is your one and only companion for everything. Be it a date, a jog around the ring. Zora's there with all kinds of new things for you to learn about. From the past, things to come, things you've never even thought of before. If you're feeling sad, if you're feeling anxious, there's only one thing you need to say. Hey, Zora. Yes, I'm here for you. What would you like to do today? I'm looking forward to spending time with you. Here at the USS Discovery, <laughs> we welcome one and all, and I'm always open to a conversation. You are amazing. Well Bravo. Well done. <laughs> It was possibly going to go into just like echoing her name in a sad 80s, you know, Zora <laughs> on the USS Discovery. The end of it, something like that. Well, it had the, the way you were describing it. It had like an 80s vibe to it as well, where it's like <laughs> it was very 80s. Zora's <laughs> learning to love and she's learning to talk to humans like it, like that small wonder show. With that robot, like the yes. robot sister. Yeah, like I could just see that. Like Zora getting in all sorts of wacky hijinks and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to start to be, I think, like promos for different characters on the future uh, moments of FedCon. <laughs> <laughs> BJ, you have not seen this the short track? I have not yet. <laughs> oh, shit, man. All right. I'm going to go gonna love it after it. Awesome. <laughs> it's it's so it's so you like once you see it you'll you'll be like i see now why they said that okay as i start pouring out uh star trek verse uh parodies i'll make sure to just send them your way and you'll we'll, we'll post them somewhere that that's this sounds like a tiktok is what it sounds like <laughs> it does the fed the FedCon tiktok channel yeah i'm for this <laughs> so uh i have a question for janet reno Janet Reno. Is that her first name? Jet. Jet Reno. Janet <laughs> Reno is a completely different person, that's, but that's, still. That's a different Reno. But, yeah. but you're on the right track. <laughs> Why did they call her Jet? <laughs> okay. So um, I have a question for Reno. If licorice helps your communication, does it have to be black licorice? And therefore, is black licorice really the best licorice? And all the haters are wrong. Black licorice is one of those things that I feel like children hate. But as you become an adult, you appreciate the, t the, the taste a little more. And I'm not sure why. And maybe that's why, because you realize how important communication is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. I'm, I'm not a licorice person whatsoever. I've, I've uh, never been a licorice person, actually. Who are you? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know. You know, it was funny. This is like totally a side note, but I went and was, uh, I went to use the ATM earlier. Actually, this might be a good transition. I went to use the ATM earlier um, and I couldn't get the screen to respond to my touch. And this happens to me every once in a while. And I mean, it's no big deal, but for whatever reason, if like I go to hit the screen a couple of times and it doesn't respond to my touch, I start going down this weird rabbit hole of, am I not human? You know, and I started just like worrying <laughs> of just like, maybe I'm am, I, am I a fake person? And is this the moment that I like now have this Picard season one moment of realizing that my life is a lie and I need to get on the run because like someone's after it was, 
And fortunately, the button worked after like the sixth time. So, you know, crisis averted again. Turns out it was dirty with fingerprints and stuff like that. And that's why I wouldn't read. Yeah, <laughs> probably. But no, I do the existential crisis, too. Wait, am I wait? Am I dead? Is this why it's not working? <laughs> Mike, your camera's turned off. Oh, yeah. Whoops. That's why they're not responding to me in the WebEx message. OK, OK, got it. All right. <laughs> I don't I don't even know, like, how to process that. <laughs> this sounds terrible. It, it's a dreadful experience for the like three seconds that it lasts, but it's it's frustrating because if it makes you feel better, I do the exact same thing. Though. Like <laughs> and it keeps like, happening. Like it's like I'm every insane. time I go, to, you know, like I don't know why I'm not convinced yet of I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just this one machine that makes you question your entire existence. That's it's what the cracks same me up. ATM every time. <laughs> don't go to that one. Stop. Go- it's got yeah. it in for you. Yeah, uh, yeah. bro. They, right. they, there's lots of ways to buy things without getting cash. Like we live in a digital world now. You don't have to get cash. You can't trust tech. It's all Borg. It's going to kill me. Speaking of which, <laughs> I'm in love with the Borg queen. She's she's, she's the most I, I I she's the most fascinating thing about season 2 right now for me. Captivating. She is whew, like it's it's she's frightening and like I love it. It's it's absolutely fantastic. She's exactly what the Borg should be. Scary. Because one of the things that Voyager did was Voyager took away the teeth of the Borg. They were no longer scary. Mm-hmm. Picard is reminding you the Borg are not, you know, they're like they're like Wu-Tang. You don't fuck with them. And like it's yeah, dude, like she's frightening. I love the back and forth with her and Jurati. She was impressed. She said, she's like, you've done something very, very dangerous. You haven't made me angry. You've impressed me. And I'm like, oh, shit, this is not good. And, oh, man, did that did that last episode throw me for a loop. I, I thought I had the board Queen's plan pegged, and I knew exactly what she was doing. I was like, she's going to assimilate the cop, and then the cop's going to go back, and then he's going to be a Borg, and then he's going to turn all the other French people into Borg. So they're going to be like, je suis Borg, you know? And, like, it was going to be <laughs> fucking awesome. Like French Borg, it was just yeah. I, I was so excited, and then it just completely threw me for a loop. And I was like, they got Agnes, no. And like, I loved it. I because and it makes sense to me because she wants Gerardi because of how outstanding her mind is, and she's already got her hooks in her, and it just makes sense. And when she's sitting there, locked up, and look. Listeners, if you haven't seen it yet, you need to stop listening right now. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Turn it off. Come back to us when you're ready. When she's sitting there handcuffed and you see the Borg Queen sitting there and she congratulates her on her scheme. I was like, holy shit, this is fantastic. This is fantastic. It was awesome. It was just so, so awesome. I definitely thought Girardi was going to like pull it out and take her out. Like I was, I was kind of waiting for it. I was waiting for something to be up, but I didn't necessarily think it was going to, to be the way it did. I didn't know if there was a way that she was going to, she was going to have contained the Borg queen elsewhere where she's clearly more in control as opposed to the queen getting her way in and legit getting that, that little, little download in. Ah. What's crazy about this, too, is the way that they're treating assimilation. And it may be because she's not fully assimilated. Um, And it's a different process because the Borg Queen wants something different because, again, she's she's impressed by Agnes and she doesn't want to, like, completely take over because there's certain aspects of, of Agnes's personality and persona and intelligence that would be lost if it was just straight up assimilation. But like normally she get, you know, you get a Borg nanoprobes in you and you're toast, man. Like we saw it in first contact. That dude was getting assimilated in a matter of seconds. Yeah. Like I'm, this is, it's super compelling. Yeah. It, it threw me for a loop. And like normally like uh, with narrative, I'm like, ah, I know where they're going. And I'm like, Oh, maybe I don't. All right. <laughs> cool. This is, this is, this is something. All right. And like, the, are you guys getting cult leader vibes as well? And that's why she's preying on Agnes because Agnes is like rife to be sucked into a cult because she has problems connecting with people and she's sad and like she's lonely because this is not the we're just going to run you over Borg where it's like we're just going to obliterate you and there is and resistance is futile. No, this is the most intelligent way I've ever heard them attack a problem. But additionally too, Picard said things that I had never heard about. He was like, there's a euphoria 
in being assimilated. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, whoa, that's a whole nother thing because like that makes sense. Like you want the the bio like the biological portion not to fight back when you're adding on all this tech. So how do you do that? You pacify them. You drug you make them feel like, oh man, this is dope. This feels really good. So they don't even know what's going on. They're they're adding they're adding some wrinkles to to stuff that like I never thought they would have. That is just like absolutely phenomenal. I wonder if she's treating Agnes different too because she is one right now, and so she doesn't have like like an economy of scale. Like she it's just her. She knows and that there is no collective that that it's that she's completely yeah. She doesn't have the resources to fall back on. Yeah, she, exactly. She, she doesn't have enough bandwidth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's no there's no backup. She's the last copy. It's like the, it's like the old days when you were downloading a file like on Mapster, like on dial up and it took you like a week to do. Yeah, yeah. it's like that. Yeah. <laughs> there's one aspect of Picard that irked me until Rios had a line and it was basically this idea that it's just Picard's line that keeps the the timeline together. I was like, come on, can we get away from Manifest Destiny, please? Like, that's that's not progressing us anywhere. And then Rios is like, what, it's his his ancestry that's keeping us together? And like, be, I don't know, for, because he mentioned it, it dispelled some of that antagonism I had for it. But it's still a problem in the writing. And I don't know how you get a, around it when your main character is around this white guy. Well, uh, here's where I think, because because I, I agree with that. I, I, this it, this is a part of where, again, I felt like in season one, it was just like a Picard Mr. Magoo running around <laughs> and just like, you know, trying to exert his will without being able to see two feet in front of him. And, and, and right now it's like there's moments of this that are feeling a little leading like that. But I guess this is where I'd make a prediction. I suspect it's it, there there may be a route where we are going to see multiple stops throughout time and it will be pivotal moments in the different characters lives that are the crucial moment for something to happen and so i i almost dare to say that i think they're getting this other kind of crucial picard moment out of the way because it really was seven of nine who was in the power. It was uh, in in um, you know the the other uh, alternate future, um, and so we were seeing her in that pivotal power position, um, and how she was going to dictate that. Now it's a moment about him. Um, I think it's going to continue to jump uh, with with Rios uh, and 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 with each of them. Um, that's my suspe- my my prediction. Can I just I, I okay? Can I just get this out? I it just like like lightning in my brain. Like just let me let me spit it out. Okay, so no no you gotta wait. You can't. Oh! Spit it out. <laughs> Tough but fair. Um, <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> episode one: The Borg Queen transports on board the Stargazer. Hold up, hold up. Wait, wait, wait. Are yeah. you going to say who you think it is? Mm-hmm. Okay, because I have a theory too, and I was going to okay. say that too. So so. You say yours first. Okay. So um, time, as we have seen with Q, is cyclical. And things repeat each, repeat themselves, and things are ripples. So one thing happens, and it repeats itself over and over and over and over again. That Borg queen that was on the Stargazer that was trying to assimilate them but wasn't killing anybody, that's Agnes. Yes, 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 yes. Ah, nice. Yeah. I, like, I, it just dawned on me because what she's trying to do is, again, she's the Borg queen, right? But it wasn't, we are the Borg, lower your shields and surrender your si- ships. Um, we'll add your biological and technological distinctiveness to our own. Your culture will adapt to service us. Resistance is futile. It was help Picard. This is not the same Borg. She's right. in, she's, she literally is adding her influence to the Borg. As well as then the Picard look up line, which he was telling her the stories about uh, his mom. Fucking exactly. Yes. Like, yes, you guys. OK, you guys are seeing it. OK. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Makes there's, sense. A certain, there's a certain part of me that's like, if this is what ends up happening, I'm going to be mad and I want a paycheck from Paramount. But <laughs> like, honestly, I, I would love that if that happened. It may not. And if it doesn't, that's cool, too. But like. One of the things that I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but like um, Patrick Stewart has stated that in his um, as growing up as a child, his father beat his mother. Yes. Yes. I've, yeah, I've read that. 
And they've they've added that to Jean-Luc Picard's history. Mm -hmm. And that's part of this series. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really interesting. Like, I also think it's it, it adds more layers to this character. But like also, too, it really explains why Jean-Luc Picard is the way he is. He's incredibly intelligent. He's an adventurer. He's an explorer. He wants to be an archaeologist. But like there was a meme that went around a while ago that was talking about like how everybody thinks that uh, Kirk is the ladies man and that Picard is some nerd. But it's actually the exact opposite. Uh, Kirk was described as a walking pile of books in the original series. He's a, like turbo nerd. He was like the youngest uh, youngest officer ever to become captain of a of a starship because he was so well studied, because he was so like intelligent, like genius level intellect is what they said in the uh, the Abrams movie, uh, star, uh, the Star Trek Abrams movie. Um, he just happened to also you know get some action while he was on the bridge of the Enterprise. On the flip side, though, Picard is just as intelligent, but like his history from when he was in the Academy, he was banging everything he could. Like they talk about it in that one episode, Tapestry, when he gets stabbed through the heart by a Nausicaan. Because oh, that's he was, right. He literally he literally had two dates scheduled for the same night with two different women. And like, <laughs> like, but that explains it. Why would somebody like that be? A womanizer because he's covering up this trauma of his childhood and we never understood what it was but now we do that his father beat his mother and he had to see it and he loved his mother and like it just it sounds like projection he's projecting so hard to build a relationship with a woman boy does that make sense like why he's so emotionally shut off all the time like i'm i'm excited see now you guys got me even more excited about this series so far i was just like yeah this is gonna be good but like, yeah, now we're now we're solving problems. We're like we're cooking. We're cooking this season. Exactly. So yeah. wait, but so we figured out, we think, the Borg Queen thing. But what the hell is wrong with Q and why is he trying to fuck things up? Um, can I give you my theory on that too? Hold up, hold up. BJ, do you have a theory? No. Uh so I'm open to hearing. Mike, I don't have a theory either, so what you got? So end of episode five um q is talking to the soon ancestor about how there's going to be a trip on the europa or a trip to europa and they find sentient life on europa that sentient life is q and because something fucked up the timeline and um i can't remember her first name but picard's ancestor renee 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 doesn't go and somehow that stops the evolution of the Q species. And that's why Q is losing his powers. It's like back to the future where like, so, you know how Marty starts like disappearing because like the timeline gets all screwed up. Yeah. Same thing. Like, wait, I wait, think no, that that's what that is. But it's supposed to be microbial. Like they, she finds a, I think they said a microbe that she believed was, was sentient. So you're saying Q started out at the same time as like, so, okay. I don't know, man. So here, here, here's where I'm going with this, okay? So what do we know about our, our buddy Q, right? There's the Q our buddy, <laughs> which is a whole bunch of a whole bunch of other entities just like him, right? But our Q is like Loki. He's a trickster, right? But he also gets punished by the other Q continuum all the time. What better way to punish a omnipotent godlike creature than to stick him as a microbe on a on a moon of a planet far flung from everything else in the galaxy? Hmm. And again, too, this is reaching. Like, I think the Agnes is the Borg Queen thing is like plausible, but like this one is just like, I don't know. I put yeah. two and two together here when he was like, oh, you know, yada yada yada. This is what's going on, and this is and like I he's like I'm like why is he losing his powers? I was like maybe there's some connection with this microbe, and I was like maybe it's Q. And again, too, it's no different than like in the Marvel series that were on TV when anything would happen, everybody was like, oh, it's Mephisto for sure, and it never was. Like I could be, I really could be reaching here, but like it's, I, I think they're connected somehow. Well, I hope they get to it soon. Right now, my favorite part is the Borg Queen, and the rest of it is not really holding my attention, unfortunately. And that could just be my issue. Um, Guinan was fascinating, and that's a gorgeous actress and really talented. Mm -hmm. Um. I was a little disappointed they didn't do more with her because she was basically just like, all right, well, now you got to go see this other person. Like, why couldn't that just be Guinan playing that role? You know what I mean? Yeah. 
and add more depth to the Alorians because we still have no idea what the heck's up with the Alorians. Well, that's where I think we're going to keep jumping through time. <clears throat> and then ah. I think we're going to see further iterations and interactions uh, at different points in time, or at least um, universes and like alternate realities. I hope so, because that sounds really fascinating. It also plays with the whole concept of what you were saying before, TBJ, about, um, man, they love the what if concept. Yeah, yeah. Like that's that's what I think is going to end up. I, I, I just feel that plot device being utilized to to be able to shake it up a little bit more and and possibly keep us guessing a bit more like it's one of those novels where you can, you know, flip to this page or that page and then keep going kind of thing. Choose your own adventure. I'm hoping there's a little bit more of that kind of plot device work in there so that, that it, it does keep just with some surprises. But I totally would love again. Yeah. I mean, Agnes being being that that Borg would be super cool. I you know what I had a gripe with? I had a gripe with it's the twenty it's the twenty first century. It's more or less today, right? And a random spaceship comes out of time, <laughs> crashes on Earth, and nobody comes to investigate. <laughs> well, one guy did. Yeah, after <laughs> yeah, after the board only after the, the board calls. <laughs> after she pulled a Karen and called the cops, you know, like I mean, it was just. That's what I'm saying, though, is like there's so many like amateur astronomers, but also too like for the most part, like isn't our technology advanced enough that like we would see something like that? Like they literally said that in Star Trek Four to reference that again is they like 2024 is like the year is happening. And it's like, yeah, there's there's too much. There's too many people that are way too snooping on everything right now that that would go unnoticed. Yeah, right. Like Spock even said, like when they landed in 1986, he was like, hey, we better turn on the cloaking device because we're going to be visible to their primitive technology. <laughs> they didn't turn the cloaking device until they landed in France. Maybe I'm getting too nerdy about this. <laughs> it, we're never too nerdy. That's the whole point of Great Geek Refuge. And on that note, dear listeners, we are going to be watching Picard right along with you. Super exciting. It's out every Thursday on Paramount+. Plus. Um, you can also catch Prodigy, which started in October on Paramount+. Plus. Um, second half of season will be sometime in the future. I didn't do all my homework, so I can't tell you. But you can find it on Nickelodeon. Strange New Worlds comes out May 5th, um, and it is going to get a second season. Um, again, Paramount Plus and Lower Decks season three will get some time, and uh, it's going to get a fourth season. So we have a wealth of magnificent, geeky heaven. And we are so excited to keep talking to you about it on this podcast, Federation Conversation. So let me reintroduce my panelists. In real life, Mike Lunsford is our editor-in-chief at Great Geek. Great. Wow. <laughs> I'm so excited. I can't even get our website right. <clears throat> Mike Lunsford is our editor-in-chief at Great Geek Refuge and has designed our graphic logo as well as some kick-ass t-shirts. You can check it out at greatgeekrefuge.com, especially his Orioles t-shirt. Man, that is a banging logo. Um, in real life, William B.J. Robinson is a queer, Black, and Puerto Rican arts educator based in San Diego, as well as an actor, composer, and church choir director BJ is also creator and host of Tough Talk, a platform that focuses on getting comfortable with the uncomfortable through community conversations. Also, he is with KBPS Arts um, and host of a local PBS TV show all about arts and culture across the United States. For more info, just search at WillBJRob or at tough.talk2020 on Facebook, Insta, Twitter, and YouTube. And he is responsible for our new podcast name and hopefully our new podcast theme song. In real life, I am a playwright and strategist of access, diversity, equity, and inclusion for Planacy. I said Planacy, y'all. <laughs> Fun <laughs> words. <laughs> Fantasy Playhouse Children's Theater, um, and I'm a leader of a posse of artists, a.k.a. my family. So, in short, dear listeners, I pray you're safe and that you feel seen by those you love. Until next time, journey on.
amazing. 